Welcome to our kind of pod. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, joined by my co-host, Michael Stanton. And Stanton, you usually don't know what I'm about to hit you with at the start of every podcast, and you do a very good job of rolling with whatever nonsense I have planned. Uh, yeah. More nonsense today. So the Huskies are going to the Alamo Bowl. They're playing Texas. I don't think anyone, any true Husky fan could ever forget the 2011 Alamo Bowl. Truly one of the more, uh, like if the Sickos committee existed today, they would be feasting on that Alamo Bowl. That yeah. was that was quite an adventure. So yes. I'm going to hit you with a, a little bit of box score trivia from that from that game, that oh, fateful. Okay, as, as I pull up the box score, so I'm not <laughs> yeah, going to do that. No. Don't do that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, which the Huskies lost 67 to 56, and uh, uh, which ended up being Nick Holt's last game as the University of Washington yep. defensive coordinator. So I'm going to give you four things that happened in this game. Three of them actually happened. Four of them, okay. or the fourth, the fourth one did not happen. So your job is to tell me which of these was uh, not a real thing that happened in that game. Okay. Choice A: two Danny Shelton kick returns. Danny Shelton, of course, being the <laughs> Yeah, nose University of Washington deep. nose tackle, one of the more thick fellows that has ever come to the program. Uh, do you want me to hear them all first and then decide? Um, yes, please. Okay. B, a combined 16 extra points kicked. C, an 89-yard Robert Griffin III touchdown run. Or D, two 60-plus-yard Jermaine Curse catches. So two Danny Shelton kick returns, a combined 16 extra points, an 89-yard Robert Griffin touchdown run, and two Jermaine Curse 60-plus-yard catches. Which of these did not happen? I actually believe in the Danny Shelton one because I know they used to put him on coverage, and on kickoff coverage, and I feel like there used to be – a time frame where everybody would just kick it short because he couldn't fair catch it at that point in time on kickoff so i think that is true um i believe what was the rush again how many yards for 89 RG3? yard rg3 i believe that one too just because of rg3 and the state of the game and the 16 extra points i believe i think it's going to be the jermaine curse 60 plus yards two of them final answer yes you are dead right about the Danny Shelton kick returns. Okay. Uh, he had two. It sounds like I'm wrong overall, though. <laughs> uh, there were a combined 16 extra points. Yeah. And uh, there was an 89 yard touchdown run by Baylor, but it was not by Robert Griffin III. It was uh, by their running back, Terrence Ganaway, who ran anywhere he wanted to against the Huskies in that game. And yes, Jermaine Curse had a 60 yard catch and an 80 yard touchdown in that game. Um, yeah. Almost had 200 yards, it looks like. Yeah. 198 yards for the game. Uh, Oh, and only had five receptions yes efficient <laughs> yeah, yeah it was seriously. it was uh, such a barn burner um that was that was a different era of husky football one that we couldn't imagine now where our defense is so bad um but no. i don't think our offense was ever well i don't know that was that was a different era too i mean that was the keith price game and all that but yeah yeah fun to relive that game which um yeah, it was, was like this this launching point of like the Huskies are going somewhere. And that ended up actually being the best bowl that uh, Sark ever went to, which is kind of funny. But yep, And we didn't even win it. <laughs> exactly. We get Sark again in the upcoming Alamo Bowl. But before we talk about that, I think um, the most important piece of news that has come on since you and I last spoke was that Michael Penix has officially announced that he's coming back to play uh, I was about to say senior season. I don't even know if that's true. He's playing another year at the University of Washington. Yeah, he could be a seventh-year senior. I have no idea. What was your level of surprise to hear that Michael Penix 
was uh, going to don purple and gold again next year. Uh, I was pretty surprised. I mean, the kid, we've talked about it, but the kid is like leading the country in passing yards. And he also has in a massive injury history. Like, I feel like, you know, this is would be his time to move to the next level. That being said, there's also part of me that sees him and thinks he's not getting as much publicity and credit that he rightfully deserves for his performance this year. So there is a, a sliver of me that's like, well, one more year could really catapult him into a different kind of territory, um, which, you know, hopefully it that is actually the case. And next season is a big success. But um yeah, I, I I was surprised because of all those reasons I just pointed out, especially reminds, the injury part. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of the the thing. Once this thing got started started going this year, was that you'd think that uh, that that would be the 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 ultimate dis, the, the factor in his decision is the injury factor. He has to go on to the next level. But I think one thing that was never really a part of the story with him at Indiana was. Something that had been documented, I think, if you talk to Indiana fans or, you know, read more deeply into it was just how bad their offensive line was when he was in Indiana and how exposed he was um, to hits as a result. I mean, now we're talking about, I think they were, what, the Huskies were second in sack percentage allowed this year, and the offensive line was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I think he was able to say, like, I feel safe here. Like there's a seatbelt on this car. (laughs) And uh, so that, that definitely helps. We, I don't know if we'll ever know what the NIL uh, part of this is. I I think that there's something here that, that, that has been promised to him to keep him at the university of Washington. I don't think that he's paying playing for $0 and zero cents next year, which is totally fine. And he's obviously earned that. Um, And then the, the NFL draft part of it, I think is, is important too, because it kind of feels like with the NFL draft, those the people who do that and who talk about prospects kind of need a year to pick you apart before you get drafted. And he has not had that. Like he kind of got the steam at the very end of this year, but not the full like, okay, we're talking about this person. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you look at this year's draft class kind of loaded. Next year's quarterback draft class, you have Caleb Williams, obviously at the top. He's like going to be the number one overall pick unless something hor- horrible goes uh, wrong for him next year then you would have said anthony richardson of florida he just declared he's already entered yeah so he's going to be in this year's draft and then the third guy is probably quinn ewers who is the texas quarterback who michael Penix gets to go head to head against for the alamo bowl so i mean he's in a position to be a top i think definitely top three prospect heading into next year if not top two uh based off of how he can look in this bowl game and that is just was never going to be the case this year. He was never going to crack into that top three discussion um, in this year's draft, but next year it's totally possible. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at walterfootball.com right now, which I don't know if that's like a go-to you're familiar with <laughs> uh, this. Everyone website, is. Aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at the 2024 mock that they have up. I love and, Walter uh, football's website because it is like eBay or so basic. It's it's has never changed. It never will. looks like a geocities.yahoo.com <laughs> website from the early 2000s. Correct. But uh, you're, you're correct in, in that yours and Caleb Williams is, are the only QBs in this first round projection. Um, funny enough, he has, they have um, Braylon Trice yeah. going 12th here to the Panthers. Who knows if, 
Brandon Latrice would even stick around for next season. So that could change. But um, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, I I don't look ahead at these things because I really don't care about the NFL. So these things are not, are kind of on the uh, outer reaches of my understanding <laughs> and and everything. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this that's that's a pretty shallow QB class if you if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, that all of this was kind of teased, or, or, I, you know, it, it's been documented that Kalen DeBoer found out when all of us did that Michael Penix was going to come back. But yep. when he was asked about, did he think that Penix could come back before that? The answers were kind of along the lines of like he was he was hopeful, and I think he had, yeah, uh, you know, he kind of you know talked about how Penix loved college football, um, you know that uh, um, when he was talking broadly about the decision to help players decide to come back or not is like, you know, the, the draft class that year. So I'm sure this was all brought up um, to Penix and not brought up just in the past week, brought up like kind of once this, this engine started to roll a little bit, um, you know, uh, five or six weeks ago. So, I mean, regardless of how it happened, like this is awesome, like absolutely awesome. It reminds me of when Jake Locker decided to come back. um, But two things are different about that locker was sitting on being a top 10 pick in that draft. And also the team that he was just on went five and seven and not 10 and two. So a little bit different scenario there. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, like (laughs) I I joked to my dad of like, when I told him Penix is going to come back and I knew he wouldn't have seen the the Twitter uh, video, like UW athletics is going to call tomorrow morning and ask for a season ticket. deposit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. I don't know if that has come your way yet where they've, started to knock on the door for that not not that i'm aware of um but one exciting aspect about this too is there's potentially a trickle down effect like yeah um obviously i think roma we'd all think roma dunze would be going to the nfl draft this year and jalen mcmillan potentially could as well but uh now that they're you know their qb's back i think there's a pretty decent chance relatively speaking that those two could return which would Mm. be insane because those two have been arguably the best wide receiver duo in college football this season. I think the only other two that you could remotely compare, at least from a statistical standpoint is um, Marvin, Marvin Harrison jr. And Emeka Igbuka at Ohio state. And then uh, Jacob Cowing and um, Dorian Singer. Dorian Singer, yeah, of Arizona, which, by the way, what the hell? Like, Arizona, two, a 1,000-yard receiving. And guess, uh, guess how many of them are in the transfer portal already? Yeah, one of them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's that's really exciting. So I'm hoping that we hear some news on that front. I mean, just think about it. We were thinking that Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze were going to probably transfer after last season, and now we're looking yeah. at a possibility of – you know, having already logged this season with them and then potentially getting another season with those two guys. Um, it's just insane and super exciting time. And it comes at a really good uh, point in the year where uh, uh, Penix announced like a day or two before the transfer portal opens. So now there's a bunch of prospective, you know, transfers out there that are seeing, you know, whoa, this Washington team could be pretty legit, especially that offense next season. Um, so it's a really good time to be a Husky, I think, right now. Yeah, transfer portal. I mean, you have uh, the coaching carousel turning out uh, guys who are committed to one school and now looking for other options. If all of them don't go to Colorado, then they might uh, consider UW. I mean, it's it's uh, 
Yeah, very well said. I mean, everything is set up. I mean, I think Michael Penix is set up to be a Heisman candidate, if not front runner heading into next year. Uh, it's effed up that he's not going there this year, but just sets yep. up for next year. And the Huskies, um, you know, right in hand with that are a playoff candidate heading into next year and not even like a dark horse like they were heading into 2016, but probably a legit, um, you know, like top 10 or so in terms of Vegas odds to make the, the playoffs next year. I'd imagine that's where they shake out given, given this and, you know, who's who knows what might come in the transfer markets to uh to bolster that so only good and you know i i hope that this works out for michael Penix and that this ends up with him you know being a top 10 pick next year and like this is just this amazing sequence of events that's happened um you know obviously not even with injuries like this just sometimes these storybooks don't end up quite as well even like jake locker like his senior season was kind of a disappointment in a lot of ways but um right now at least things look very, very good. So uh, I, tw- I tweeted what happened. Like, I don't know what we did to deserve Michael Penix. Like, yeah, what a gift from God <laughs> he, he was <laughs> for this program. A kid from Tampa who tr- committed to Indiana because his scholarship at Tennessee got revoked and uh, ends up at Washington, a place he'd probably never heard of or, or not heard of, never thought about playing. Been to, <laughs> been to yeah, before he, he came here in, what was that, December last year. And now he is a cold hero. And uh, that's pretty effing cool. What What's kind of wild is we've already been through this with Jacob Eason. I mean, Jacob yeah. Eason transferred to, to UW after, you know, playing for a power five team. And like, he was okay, but I think we it was definitely disappointing compared mm-hmm. to what the expectations were. Whereas on this side, you know, it's like, yeah, we had, we kind of had tempered optimistic expectations, but they've been vastly exceeded for for michael Penix, and we got one year out of jacob Eason and uh correct so now you're are more than that one plus with with mike p yes um i think obviously this means he's going to play in the bowl game which was actually our our bigger i don't, I don't know if com- him coming back was really on our radar that much uh, last week it was more is he going to play in the bowl game and so getting yep. both of those now is like oof, god that's it's all, it, it, it truly is like, it comes down to be, it being this simple of like win or lose, like the world keeps spinning. Everything's fine. Watching more football with Michael Penix in it is better. Like he, he's yes. like, it, it just makes my life better and more joyous. And that's, that's cool. Fully agreed. Fully yeah. agreed to that. And he's just like a good, seems like a good guy and he's very easy to root for. I it's just, everything about this is awesome. And like you said, we are, we, what did we do to deserve this? Yeah, pinch yourself, folks. Um, so last week, in, elsewhere in the Pac-12, the only game that was going on was USC and Utah. Basically, two storylines in this game. One, Caleb Williams was hurt. Two, USC, not couldn't, wouldn't tackle. And that was the the uh, story of the game. They would not tackle Utah's players. And Utah bullied them and won the conference championship game. Uh, won the uh, the conference and we'll be going to the Rose Bowl. USC will be going to the Cotton Bowl. And so all of the Huskies dreams of going to the Rose Bowl as a result of USC winning that game uh, were dashed in the blink of an eye. And hey, that sucks. But like this season was such borrowed money and like, you know, money under the couch cushions anyways, that uh, missing out on the Rose Bowl, I think we can all live with that. Even though that was probably the last true Rose Bowl in history. Yeah, that is that is unfortunate because next year it's a it's a semifinal and then the following year it'll be a semifinal in the new 
12 team format going forward. Um, one thing that's interesting to think about, and we'll never know what, unless he comes out and says it, but which I doubt he will, but does the fact that we missed the Rose Bowl have any mm. impact onto the decision that Penix made? And if you go a step further, the fact that we didn't get into the Pac-12 title game due to tiebreaker with Utah, does that affect um, does that affect the decision by Penix? Because I know Penix noted how I think I think I saw uh, some comments from him about how he was wishing they were in the Pac-12 title game mm-hmm. and that he wanted a chance to play against USC and that he will get that next season during the regular season. So, again, we'll never know, but interesting to think about. Yeah, and, and I'm happy I, that it's shaked out this way. To be honest, if that's yeah. actually a factor, then hell yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I think of it more less of like did that impact his decision making of more like would you know say he balled the hell out in the Pac-12 championship, balled the hell out in the Rose Bowl. Like, does he vault himself into it being a top 15 pick next year, and therefore sure. like that changes everything? That is probably the 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 I think the way that this could have shook shook out differently um, than than you know, than how we got now, but less of like a, you know, stuff left for him to do at UW, just like the situation in the draft would have just been astronomically good for him to turn down, but you know, we'll never know. And Hey, if you don't respect Michael Penix as a legitimate draft prospect after what he's been doing the last 12 games, then like, who's to say that uh, anything he would have done in those two would have changed anybody's opinion on him yet. So uh, we'll just find out next year. So instead of all of that, we get a reunion with uh, with Texas and a reunion with Sark on a bowl game front. So um, Steve Sarkeesian, obviously the University of Texas, yeah, University of Texas head coach, former head coach of the University of Washington, um, basically was a given as soon as it became clear that USC wasn't going to beat Utah. Uh, two revenge games here, Sark. And then the 2001 Holiday Bowl, like, do you remember that game? The the yeah, the, Major Applewhite was their quarterback. I remember, and yeah, we lost a very high scoring affair. Uh, I think the Huskies um, kind of, I think, I think it was like a game winning drive by by Major Applewhite to win that game. In uh, the Husky, that was the season after the Rose Bowl season for the Huskies when they were still very good, uh, but just didn't get as far. So this this is gonna be a fun game. Like Texas is a spreadsheet monster in terms of like advanced stats, EPA, FPI, all love them. Um, they have obviously very good players. They have a an NFL caliber quarterback, potentially a very uh, 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 potentially a, a running back who's about to be very highly drafted. Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he's gonna play in this game. Um, but, uh, Texas is the type of team that's like probably going to beat you on a roster and like, you know, just schoolyard pick, but, uh, how bad do their players want it versus the Huskies players? I think is basically how you can break down every single bowl game. That's not a college football playoff at this point. Yeah. I honestly don't know much about Texas. Um, you mentioned kind of their key guys that I'm familiar with viewers at QB Robinson at, at running back. Um, I think their their main guy uh, on the outside is Xavier Worthy. Um, they have some solid wins and also some solid losses. Uh, they lost by only seven to TCU, who obviously is in the playoff. Uh, they beat Kansas State by a touchdown, who obviously just beat TCU this past weekend. Um, they Baylor. also lost to yeah, they beat Baylor uh, by eleven points. They lost to Alabama by only one point. Um, so this is a really good team. Um, then that being said, UW is also a pretty good team. So I think it, I think it honestly pans out to be a really exciting game. It is in San Antonio, as we mentioned, as you mentioned with the Alba Bowl. So it will be kind of a 
a home game yeah. for Texas. I don't know how much that really matters to be completely honest, but something to note nonetheless. Um, I'm just excited that this game isn't like a 2 p.m. kickoff on a weekday, like the Sun Bowl is or something. This yeah. is a 6 p.m. East or 6 p.m. Pacific uh, kickoff. I think it's a Thursday on the 29th. Yep. Um, so we'll be in in prime time, national. No other games going on. So this should be fun to watch. Also very glad I had a, a flight scheduled back from uh, Seattle to Philadelphia on the morning of the 29th. So glad I will not be watching this game on the back of uh, a headrest. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I'll get to be home or however I want to watch this rather than uh, watching on a plane. So yeah, this is this is going to be a good one. I think we could probably talk one more time before uh, that game to, to preview it a little bit more and see if there's anything else to talk about. Uh, but uh, we'll just kind of leave it as that and just know that we are both very excited about this Texas game. It's a bowl game. Like, these these weird things happen in them. Oh, injuries, opt outs are going to color a lot of that. Um, so we shall see what uh, what happens there. The last bit of news that we're going to cover in this episode is uh, Coach Prime, who you know we the, we had been obviously real college football reporters were on this. It's not like we had we had the, the juice, but we had been relaying those rumors to you over the past couple of weeks that uh, Deion Sanders was a candidate at Colorado. And even though we've been saying it for a couple of weeks, I still cannot believe that this happened, that Colorado, a literally zombie college football program, just hired Deion Sanders. And uh, going from Carl Durrell to Deion Sanders is like switching from (laughs) tea in the morning to meth as your morning routine, (laughs) like in terms of energy. So it is a crazy shift and I, I i don't know i'm i'm kind of still processing and thinking about how this is going to work with with coach prime deon sanders at colorado yeah i i love most of this there's also a few aspects that i absolutely hate and i'll i'll discuss why i love the fact that it brings new energy and new life to this you know, dead in the water football program. It brings publicity to not only Colorado, but for, to the conference. Every game, um, people, every you know, game that they have, whether they're good or not, people are going to want to see what happened. Correct. Yeah. Eyeballs will be on the PAC 12 as a result of this move. Um, the, I should also note that the Huskies don't play Colorado next year. I don't know if Colorado will be good. I mean, I think there's Potential that they could be decent because of the the talent that they bring in. Although, you know, ramping up in one offseason can be challenging. Although, look at what the Huskies just did. Yeah. Um, but the Huskies will not be playing the Colorado, but Colorado will be playing all the other quote-unquote contenders, including USC, UCLA, Oregon, Oregon State, even WSU in, their, is in their, there as well. Their rival Utah. Yeah, their rival Utah as well, quote unquote rival. So um, that might be a slight advantage from a scheduling standpoint for us. Um, that being said, the things that I hate about this are um, the now famous video of him being introduced to the current team and basically straight up telling everybody like, hey, you guys should enter the portal. I don't want to really, you know, I don't want most of you guys in this room. My issue with that is I feel as though there was in, you know, I'm I'm not going to do it justice by trying to recreate what he said, but I thought he was very disrespectful and unprofessional by in the manner in which he went about saying that. I think there's more respectful ways to 
to deliver the same message than what he did. And I think the worst part about all of it is he recorded it and then posted it online. Um, if he's, I think those type of things need to be kept in house, especially if they're going to be as aggressive and, and in my opinion, disrespectful as they were. Now I understand that he's all about social media and promoting their brand and in players promoting their own individual brands. Um, and I think that's great and all, but I think there's a time and place for, for that and for keeping things in house. And I think this should have been kept in house because I thought it, it kind of trashed, even though I totally understand Colorado was a really bad team this year and has historically been a bad team since for most of the time they've been in the Pac-12. I think anybody who's around the game of college football will understand, or just football in general, understands that uh, lack of success is not does not come down to just the players. Half of that blame, if not more than half of that blame, has to go on the coaching staff that they had in place prior to Deion Sanders joining as head coach. So I think it was a little unfair to really kind of push the entire brunt of the blame onto the players like he did. And um, again, I think it just shouldn't have been made publicized like that. Via yeah, video. yeah, he, well said. He said the the quiet part out loud of like, duh, yeah. everyone, you're Deion Sanders. Everyone knows what you're about to do here. You're about to yeah. Lincoln Riley this thing, take in every transfer you can get, like push guys out, but you didn't have to uh, to make that public and disrespect not just those players because, you know, uh, as you're thinking, I was like, yeah, I mean, or as you're talking, I was like, yeah, what if Kalen DeBoer had come into – uh, the Husky locker room after getting hired last year and been like said that to Roma Dunze, Jackson Kirkland, uh, yeah. you know, Jalen McPhillan, all these talented players in the roster and said like, you can find a new home. Like that, that would, that would have been stupid for him to take, you know, to assume that it was just those players uh, for, for their fault, but also disrespectful of the work that goes into being a college football player. Exactly. Like, like the, those, those players fight their ass off to just play a very, very yeah. brutal physical game and to, you know, just say basically like find a new home. These kids are college kids. Like the, all their shit's here. Like that's, that's, that's yep. not cool. Like to just make that happen. Um, and it's, it's a little, it's a, a lot aggressive. And I think a little uh, affronting to what we're used to. Um, but there's also like the reality of this, of like that kind of talk and that kind of uh, aggression is probably going to make them a lot better very quickly. And that's, you know, that's, sure. that's the, 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 the benefit of doing that. The only reason he's doing that is because he wants to flip this roster around. They open the season at TCU next year. Uh, that is like appointment television, no matter what happens in terms yes. of transfer portal and stuff like that's, that is gotta be one of the most uh, anticipated debuts that any college football coach has ever had. Especially because yep. Colorado no, got Colorado got destroyed by TCU this year. Granted, we didn't know yeah. that they're going to be a playoff team, but still. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a really fun first game. And and then their second game is hosting Nebraska, who is historically, I think, their biggest rival. Um, and a team that they've only hosted or they've only played twice in the last 12 years. So um the first two games for Colorado are pretty exciting in that regard. Yeah, that'll be Matt Rule's debut or not debut, but uh, one of his first two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless they play in like week zero in like Scotland or something. Yeah, (laughs) the the Isle of Men. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) it'll be fascinating with with uh, Dion. The idea of calling him Coach Prime is a little insane to me, but it just seems like we're all going with it. So yeah, Coach Prime. 
Um, yeah. kind of too bad the Huskies don't play them, but also I'm fine watching from afar next year. Yeah, especially if they like blow up and are actually pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, the, although you know, I I still back our our ability to beat a team like that. So I don't know. I know it is what it is. Yeah, but yeah, it, I mean, it, it's true. It, because I remember when when we first brought this up of like what's the best case scenario with with the car with him taking the Colorado job is he he's you know does well he's going to leave for another job he's going to go take the Florida State job or the Auburn job when it opens up again <laughs> so something yeah, like Auburn. that yeah you know like he, that is the job but I mean I heard heard someone else kind of do the counterpoint to that is like they don't care like Colorado football is in a coma right now and him yeah. get him getting it anywhere out of that is worth it. And then, you know, have someone else pay his buyout on the way out. Like that's the goal. It is just funny. We got the quote from uh, the Ohio or uh, Colorado athletic director. Yeah. of Like, where did the money come from to sign uh, Deion Sanders to a $5.6 million? It's like, we don't really have it yet. Amazing. Yeah, he straight Amazing. up said it. <laughs> You're not supposed <laughs> to say we'll, that part. <laughs> he said, we don't have it, but I know, I know we'll get it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, we'll have we'll have Coach Prime do an autograph session for boosters, and hopefully that'll raise five million dollars <laughs> for <laughs> to hire this coach. Oh uh, my god. Yeah, I mean, Deion Sanders makes more. Not you know, this is just what it is. But Deion Sanders makes more than Kalen DeBoer. It's, that's that's pretty damn funny. Yeah, I will. I will give Deion Sanders credit though. At, at in his time at Jackson State, he's put a lot of his own money into that program. So. Um, props to him for for doing that as you know a program that has not been cash rich i'm assuming given yeah. given just you know where they have were before him joining yeah and uh yeah we can just leave it at that uh two cats and our kinds of guy who do you have this week for meow meow time great cat this week is just any postseason award i think the whole postseason's award process is a popularity contest and a joke and i know we kind of i think we talked about this last week regarding the heisman but um yeah there's just some weird things that i disagree with and obviously i'm looking at it with purple shades on but like things like ryan grub not being on the finalist list for the broils award or um like roger rosengarten making the national first uh, all-american first team freshman first team but not making the pac-12 any of the pac-12 teams at all like just a lot of things that don't add up or <clears throat> i was uh talking to my 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 buddy uh who's an arkansas fan earlier today and we were just going over the sec uh first and second teams and stetson bennett who is in somehow invited to the heisman ceremony probably gonna win the heisman no, there's no way. Uh, there's no way. I think okay. Caleb Williams still has it. Uh, I think Stetson Bennett has only thrown 16 touchdown passes this season, which is yeah. like a third of everybody else invited. Anyways, um, he is the second team SEC QB behind Hendon Hooker, which I think is accurate. Hendon Hooker was insane this year. But like, how do you get invited to the Heisman ceremony and not even be like the first QB from your conference when that first QB isn't even invited to the Heisman ceremony. There's just a bunch of dumb stuff that it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you could say that this all, you know, is horse hockey and doesn't matter, but like, this is like, this is dude's legacy. It's like they, again, football yeah. is a ridiculous sport, like just such a, a demanding sport. And like 
for Jalen McMillan this year to be not be on the second team of <laughs> of the Pac-12 when he was like probably could have been on the first team had a legitimate claim to that. Obviously, Jordan Addison, Roman Dunze is the first team there. Second team was uh, Dorian Singer, aforementioned at Arizona, and then Troy Franklin. Okay, so what basis are we doing that on? Because Jalen McMillan has the same amount of touchdowns as Troy Franklin, uh, more yards and uh, more catches, and the Huskies beat Oregon. <laughs> in their house yeah. like like what how are you making this decision and there he is on on you know the honorable mention team it's like that sucks for him for him to get job that way and not have any like insight as to how that happened stupid we should we should add that the that the pac 12 teams first team second team honorable mentions are all voted on by head coaches and the head coaches can't vote on players that are on their own team so like I don't know, like someone could have a really good game and against them, right? And have a crap season, and they could get a vote from that head coach, like Asa Turner, being an honorable mention, uh, for the Pac-12. Like love you, Asa. Like but... yeah, but like come on, we just watched a whole season of Asa Turner, and he was pretty disappointing in my opinion. So yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Very weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> staying within the conference or staying within uh, problems within. College sports, Pac-12 basketball refs. We hate the football ones. The basketball <laughs> ones might be even worse. Awful. Uh, the Huskies lost a game, a very stupid game that won't end up mattering for anything against Oregon State on Thursday night or whatever that was because of a foul call on Cole Bajma where he literally did not touch the guy and there was no way to <laughs> review it or anything like that. It just was like that and that's the end of the game. So um, yeah, they suck too and it's been a long arduous journey dealing with Pac-12 referees in any sport for yeah. our entire lives. You know, I had moved on past that. So thanks for bringing that up again, just to really annoy me. Yeah. Well, here it is. Uh, <laughs> our kind of guy. I, this is Mike Penix's award to lose this week. Yeah. That's a shoe in. And then that's my selection. I have one other one, but that's my first selection. Okay. Um, my second one, just because, again, I have minimal um, opportunities to continue to do this, I, in my opinion. Um, I think maybe this might be the third straight week or three of four, but Peyton Henry. I'm just going with Peyton Henry. Um, as as one sicko like myself does uh, at like 9.30 p.m. on a weeknight, I found did myself... Do you make a Peyton Henry highlight video? No, no. That's actually probably what I'll be doing tomorrow it's, night. It's an but, off-season uh, project. Yeah, last last night I was looking at the 20, or 2022 uh, stat leaders on Sports Reference, and I just clicked the top 20 of points in college football this season, and Peyton Henry is 16th with 106 points. So um, at that moment, I knew he was my OKG for the podcast this week. Numbers don't, numbers don't lie, folks. Peyton Henry, yes. and any way you cut it. And what do you make, second team kicker, Pac-12? Yeah, yeah. Fine with that. And I think, didn't he get some academic award too? I could be wrong. I don't oh, know. I'm is, just, our boy, is our boy Wicked Smart too? I don't know. I could be making that up, but let's go with it. He gets the Our Kind of Pod academic all-star, gold star yes. certificate for his season. Congrats, Peyton, for your hard work. Yeah. What, what a season, man. We're, we're talking about a uh, 10 win team, a guy that we're pissed didn't get invited to the Heisman who's coming back yeah. next year. Um, what we should go listen to the pod, this podcast that was, you know, at the end this time last year is probably grim, very so grim, grim in comparison. 
yeah, yeah. my le- my level of excitement and joy actually you know what the, the thing is is like this season reached a point where there wasn't a consistent gripe and that was odd like it was like we're i don't know like even even well first of all they, they won six straight games in the year so it was great uh but even yeah. like back we talked about this but back in the old days the huskies would win and we'd still be pissed like yeah <laughs> like and i don't know if we just got jaded or it just was a different brand of football but we'd be like so scornful of jake browning and like the offense and now we don't have that it's kind of kind of well, odd it would be like a 26 21 win against cal yeah you know whereas like we're in some you know in some games we're putting up 55 points and beating the cougars by three touchdowns so um yeah it's it's a little bit different i think yeah we, we we've definitely traded uh problems with with this program for, for sure for a little bit and uh you know, I like the side of the bed for now, but it might get old. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, okay. Well, I, um, I'm out of words, but if you have any number of them between, you know, zero to two to, to finish us out, that would be, that'd be, that'd be nice. Yep. Yep. I certainly do. It's been fun. We'll pod probably again, but on that note, go dogs. Beautiful. Bye everybody.